to the first of the year's HMP Governance Lab podcasts. I'm Professor Scott Greer of the University of Michigan, and this is the podcast that replaces the typical syllabus talk-through, so that when we actually start our sections, we'll have an opportunity to discuss more interesting things such as public health and ways to create change in it. So, welcome to Public Health 384, Creating Change in Public Health. We have a three-part agenda. The first is I'm going to explain very briefly who I am. There's going to be another podcast up on Canvas about who I am in more depth if you're really interested. Um, then it's going to be the kind of core of the class, what you're going to do all day, and what the skills that we're trying to achieve are, and then briefly a kind of scan of the arc of the entire class. So I am Scott Greer. The full title is an immensely wordy 72-syllable. I'm Professor of Health Management and Policy, Global Public Health, and Political Science at the University of Michigan. I'm also Senior Expert Advisor to the European Observatory on Health Systems and Policies. What that all works out to is that I work with bureaucracies that like lots of syllables, but also that I'm a specialist in the comparative politics of health in rich countries. Most of my research across my career has been conducted on health politics in Western Europe. I've done special work on the United Kingdom, the politics of the European Union in health, but I've also written about Spain, Germany, Belgium, Australia, Canada, Germany, Austria. And I've spent a lot of time learning not just about how those health systems work, which I hope to bring into some of our conversations, but also the politics that change them. More recently, I have written about the United States, where we presciently got into looking at the politics of communicable disease control before that was fashionable, and the politics of disaster response before that was fashionable. For example, comparing the politics of Ebola and Zika, or the different responses of the Trump administration to the hurricanes that in the same month hit Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico. You might or might not be surprised to know that their response to Puerto Rico was meaningfully slower and stingier. This, of course, meant that I've had a very exciting 2020 and 2021 working for the Army Corps of Engineers, the World Health Organization, and also writing a great deal about the politics of COVID-19 response and generally the tragedies, most of them avoidable but highly predictable, that the United States and a lot of other countries walked into. So that's me. You'll also be hearing a lot from Holly Jarman, who is the other HMP political scientist, and a lot of the time we find that these recordings are better when we're bouncing ideas off of each other, because I don't know if I have a good podcast voice, but she has a great podcast voice. So that leads us to part two. What's the logic of this class? This is an effort to cut through the fact that syllabi are increasingly look like legal documents where if they resemble anything, it's sort of the documentation you have to sign when you buy a car or a house or something. I suppose they're good preparation for life in that way. Here are the kind of core things that you want to know. The first is that we don't have lectures. The podcasts replace lectures. This way, I don't have to drag you through a synchronous, sit in an uncomfortable chair and look into a Zoom camera for me. You can listen to them while you're cooking or on the bus or wherever you might want to listen to podcasts and absorb some class information. The lectures complement but do not replace the readings. There's readings every week. The readings fall into two categories almost every week. They are the theoretical concept, for example, framing and issue identification, and a case study, something important in public health politics and advocacy in America today. For example, the framing and issue 
definition class is mapped onto Black Lives Matter and defunding the police. What are the implications of framing issues in the way that that movement successfully did in 2020 and 2021, and what do the fightbacks look like? Now, the readings will therefore be on essentially two lists. They're divided in the syllabus and on Canvas. You have to read the ones about theory. These are the theoretical tools that you can take away with you and use. You should read the case studies and read as many of the readings in as much depth as is necessary to feel like you understand what's going on and can apply the theoretical content. So in some cases, for example, maternal mortality, there's a lot of readings. Well, read until you think you understand where how to apply the relevant policy analysis theoretical readings from that week. Now, how do you process this? On a week-to-week -week basis, there's two things you do. One is that we have discussion groups. This is really important, listen up. Most weeks, not all weeks, but most weeks, you're gonna be in a group, Tuesday or Thursday plus a number, Tuesday one, Tuesday two, Thursday one, Thursday two. Right before class, go on Canvas and join that group. If you're on Tuesday, you don't have class on Thursday with a member of the instructional team. That time is free for you to work with your peers in your own group, but we're not involved. So if you're in a Tuesday group, you have the Thursday class time free to do preparation work because I know how hard it is for students to find times to meet and coordinate their activities. If you're in a Thursday group, you don't have class on Tuesday. A few times, and we'll remind you, and it's in the syllabus and it's on Canvas, there will be think times when we all get together. For example, early in the class, we'll all get together and we'll hear from Kathy Sample about her form of social change, which is intervening in the greatly troubled American food system by running Argus Farm Stops. So that's a wonderful live session where Kathy will speak and you'll all be able to interact with her. We'll have another one with some happy and very cool University of Michigan graduates who work in advocacy and politics in December. But most of the time, if you're in group, I don't know, Thursday two, you have class once a week with a member of the instructional team. We will rotate through so you all see all of us. And it will be Thursday in the class time. Go on Canvas and look for the link that has been created. And the link will be created at least 10 minutes before class. There's technical reasons why we can't do the obvious thing and create all the links right now. Then. What are you going to be doing as kind of the larger projects on which you're assessed? Well, that maps onto what this class is about, right? We're doing three things. We're understanding issues and developing advocacy skills. Understanding. Those are the theoretical concepts. Those are things like agenda setting or federalism as causes of public health policy and outcomes. Then issues. Those are the case studies. Those are COVID-19 or why Flint and even Ann Arbor increasingly don't have safe drinking water. And then advocacy skills to address them. And much of that is going to be in your own group and individual work. I can't underscore enough the extent to which good writing is an important part of policy or other work. Being able to write a convincing and researched piece of policy advocacy is the core of a lot of the advocacy that a college education sets you up for. There's a whole lot of other skills, such as organizing a demonstration and capturing the details of people who attended your demonstration, which are really important in advocacy, but they're not really best taught in a classroom. Listen, if you organize any kind of a public demonstration, publicize it somewhere besides your favorite social media, so if you put it on Facebook, you should also put it somewhere else, Twitter, have a website, doesn't have to be much, but has to say what your demonstration is, when, why, and where, and then make absolutely sure 
in addition to stewards who, in, who can maintain order and get rid of the inevitable cranks and hecklers, that you also have people with clipboards who are capturing details so you build a mailing list. That took about a minute. Useful advocacy skills, but not enough to fill up a class. What we're going to focus on instead is policy analysis, writing, and persuasive writing. This takes the form, first of all, of the policy memo, which is an iconic thing, and if you can't write it, you're not going to get a job in Lansing, still less Washington, D.C. A policy memo is addressed to a specific politician. <sighs> Got to emphasize a specific politician, right? If you want the state of Michigan to do something, you have to write to a Michigan politician who, in state government, not, say, a Michigan senator. If you want the federal government to do something, you can't write to the governor of the state of Michigan, and so forth advocating that they take a specific goal, a specific policy on board. And you want it to be within the realm of plausibility, right? If you write to, for example, Senator Ted Cruz, one of the most prominent conservatives in the federal government and a senator from Texas, and you're proposing, I don't know what, universal pre-K for free, you're not going to get anywhere. So make it plausible, right? You could write to, say, Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan, with such an idea. You just have to explain how it would work in a state context. The memo will have examples. We'll have a lot of opportunity to work on it, and it's a great thing to discuss with your GSIs. We'll have examples. It's complemented by a really big project, which we call Policy Challenge. And this is a thing done in groups. The groups are randomly assigned and we'll assign them in the sort of second or third week of classes when we're sure that everybody's stably enrolled and so forth. And it is proposing a public policy to address a problem. And this year, the problem is algorithmic racism. This is the issue that increasingly decision tools are established and used more and more often in healthcare, which are based on algorithms, machine learning, that says, for example, this patient with these properties should be examined for this other possible cause of, of disease, right? This person who has the following ABC, we should probably do bloods to see if they have the following other problem. So far, so good. It's built on a large amount of data. The problem is algorithms are only as good as the data that trains them. And a lot of the data that trains them is coded by human beings and is therefore racist. So for a nice simple example, over and over again, black people's pain is devalued by these algorithms. You have to be in more pain if you're black to get the same pain treatment as if you were white. This is obviously an unsatisfactory situation. It's also somewhat dispiritingly growing because the use of these algorithms is already very powerful and it's growing and it's driving things like clinical decisions and payment decisions. Now, there's a lot of people who have some blame to share for this and a lot of people who could potentially do something. You can write to doctors about this implicitly. You can think about what data scientists should do differently. But we're talking to policymakers. We're talking to state legislators, federal legislators, governors, the president, heads of powerful agencies like the Secretary of Health and Human Services or the head of the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT or maybe the Federal Trade Commission. And we're proposing a policy to them based on a white paper in which you show your research skills and shorter summaries that you would leave behind and use as the basis to get their attention, okay? So the big two pitfalls in this project that you want to avoid, and we'll keep saying this, one is going down rabbit holes. Anything to do with a rapidly developing technology, particularly one as trendy as AI and machine learning, there's going to be whole rabbit holes of people who are straight up crazy or who are selling some weird business of their own, or who simply just get totally distracted into the wrong thing. So you want to avoid rabbit holes. 
The other is to make sure you're addressing policymakers. It is not a policy proposal to say that data scientists should stop producing racist algorithms or that insurance companies should stop using them. It is a policy to propose that the Federal Trade Commission should regulate what companies can provide in that market, or the EEOC should issue guidelines on what, on what a racist algorithm is and why we shouldn't do it, or that a state should mandate that there is a cause of legal action if you wish to sue a healthcare provider for pain caused by the use of an algorithm that's proved to have racist effects. This is going to be a really fun issue. But stay out of the rabbit holes. Make sure that you keep your eye on the prize. And the eye on the prize that you're looking for is a policy that will change the behavior of the doctors and the insurance companies and the data scientists and the hospital managers and so forth. So to summarize all of that, you're going to attend most weeks one discussion section with the teaching team. You have one other discussion section in the other class in the other day of class time when you can work on your policy challenge group project or other things. You should read all the theoretical readings and the case study readings to the extent that you need to. If the case study readings are triggering, you can probably go a little easy that week because the class is designed to be resilient to people who are sick or not feeling so good or don't particularly want to read about a couple of topics that are really tough for them. The point is to take away the theory, not to exploit the fragility that I think most of us are feeling after the year, last year and a half. You will write think pieces, four of them, about what you've read. You will write two policy memos, and you will write a policy challenge with your peers. That's what you're going to be evaluated on, and each of those is essentially developing and testing some kind of a useful skill above all your capacity to apply ideas and write. And it's my sincere hope at the end of it that not only will you be able to get good jobs and have influence doing policy advocacy, for that's what the policy challenge packet is, but also, for example, that the experience of writing those think pieces will give you less tolerance for a lot of the absolute garbage that you can find in, you know, on the website of any major news organization, let alone the sorts of stuff that shows up on Facebook and purports to be a good analysis. So those are the things that you need to do. Now, we have a quite fun set of topics for the class, which are summarized in the syllabus. C-Tools will be catching up to that. Sorry, I just dated myself. Canvas will be catching up to that. If you see something that doesn't have a link yet, don't worry. It's going to have a link soon. You don't need to buy any books for this class. We'll start with a get-to-know-you and a discussion of the public health system in the United States, where you'll primarily begin with thinking about the essential public health operations. You might know these. We have to teach you them multiple times for accreditation purposes, but it is kind of a good calling card to understand public health policy. If you're bored by it, then criticize it. Think about what's left in. Think about what's included. Think about whether too much is included. Think about whether you could describe what you do on a daily basis if implementing essential public health operations is your job. Then we have lectures and guest speakers, both me and Kathy Sample. And then we move back into discussion for, in order, COVID-19. Then advocacy strategies and what you can personally do with the case study issue being climate change. Then we have more lectures, including a visit from Judy Smith, the HMP informatician, who can help you exploit library resources, and particularly for the policy challenge packet. 
Equity, efficiency, and efficacy, those are the three things we try to balance in policy design, and we'll balance them in the case of policies to reduce the alarming level of maternal mortality in the United States, which, when you look at it, turns out to be a reflection of an alarming level of racial inequality in maternal mortality in the United States. And some of those readings are tough going. We'll move to legislation and look at the Affordable Care Act and how the legislative process shaped this law that has shaped the healthcare system that we all operate within now. Courts law and regulation, then elections, where I'll talk about the existential crisis of American democracy that we happen to be in. Lecture on regulations that I'll do with Sarah Rosenblum, one of the teaching team, on therapeutics and medical devices with some cool examples to think about, ranging from COVID-19 vaccination approval to the case study we'll be focusing on, which is the FDA's astonishing approval of an Alzheimer's drug that doesn't even actually necessarily treat Alzheimer's. Implementation and evaluation, where Tobacco 21, which is the ban on sale of tobacco to under 21s, is the policy. And at the end, urban and local politics, where the case study is water and the question is, why don't our cities serve us better? At the end, we'll have a very cool panel with some University of Michigan alumni talking about their personal creation of change, and I'm really excited about that because they're great people. So I look forward to seeing you next week, either on a Tuesday or a Thursday. We will rotate the classes between myself, GSI Nora El-Habal, and GSI Sarah Rosenblum, and they're both great, and they taught this class last year, so we all know what we're doing, and we're all of us looking forward to seeing you. You'll see me approximately every three weeks in one of your classes, and uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun, and I hope develop your skills and expand our collective understanding of how to create change in public health, because heaven knows. I think by the end of the class, if you don't already agree that there's need for it, you will. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. This has been an HMP Governance Lab podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our research, come and find us at www.governancelab.org or follow us on Twitter at HMP GovLab.